our DT systems, the Rap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Rap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And, and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Slide in the DMs if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel. Force fetch. What is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it. You and your dog can be successful in it, and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. Episode 29 of Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles. <laughs> Do not cut that out, Kevin. That's my time to shine, baby. That's a little throwback to Oombop and Hanson Bros. Guys, welcome to another episode of Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles. We are here, it's me and Kev, fired up to, man, just play catch-up. We we have, we what did we skip last week, I think? Yeah, so we skipped last week, we had a lot of moving and shaking, and um, clients in town, got back from a hunt test, uh, we have been cruising, dude. We went, what, three weekends in a row, we did... Ohio, Ohio, New Jersey. And some big things happen for the Lone Duck crew. We are, I think Memphis is like 8 for 8 in Master right now. Just Better knock on wood. Yeah, no joke. She's smoking it. She is just feeling good. You step up to the line, confident. You know, whatever they throw, she finds. Her blinds are really nice. She's she's not making any mistakes right now. Cruz, uh, Cruz, master. Yeah, she did get her master title, but I forget. Yeah, but she qualified. Right, she got her master title. I think that first weekend, mm-hmm. second weekend qualified for master Nash. No, third no, weekend. Third, yeah, she just New did. Jersey. She qualified for master national, which I'm really really proud of her. Um, Safe, who 
quick backstory on Safe. Safe, I bought three, two and a half, two and a half years ago or so. And man, this little dog is so naturally talented. She hasn't been trained since before duck season at all. I mean, she duck hunted a bunch and then had a winter of sleeping on a couch. Her owner, Steve, is a good friend of mine, and Steve had a baby, and just she got winter up here in New York. Just snow, that's it. That's all she knew. And I had her for two weeks, sharpened up her blinds. She never forgot how to mark. We re, you know, she's always steady, but sort of. She's always on that that edge of her seat. She's and, got some high drive. I think that's kind of why she's always on the edge. Like she's just ready to rock. Yeah. Oh God, she's a fireball. So, anyways, we we did some studying stuff and first test, smoked it. Second test, smoked it. Third test for her title sort of smoked it <laughs> by the third series dude she was it, it long story short she was starting to creep out on me a little bit during the last test and in the third series there were two birds that were landing like 15 yards here and 10 yards with a big splash there and she was on the verge of going and I I was able to call her back, sit her down, pick up all the birds clean, and she got her master title. So I'm really, really proud of her. You were able to call her back? So. I wasn't there. So I, and. Yeah, I'll give a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, that's fine. When you say call her back, was she. So the judges. Yeah. So the judges, if your dog breaks, you're out. There's no such thing. Like you can't have a controlled break, which means the dog just see a later starts going and you say here and they come back that's a controlled break you can't have that in a master she just was creeping so a creep is like scooting her butt closer to the birds so give me like a like 10 feet in front of you or like yeah 10 feet in, oh, no right. it, was, it was a solid <laughs> it was a solid it was out there the judges were very uh caring um, but she didn't break. She just was scooting. And every time a bird went off, it was like another foot, another foot, another foot. But the freaking birds were landing so close that it was almost like she was halfway there, you know. <laughs> so the judges, if your dog is really naughty, which safe at this point was, like this was unacceptable in my book, but they told me to reheal her. And if she did anything but came back to me and healed we might have been out but i mean as soon as i said here she snapped right back to me sat still lined up calmed down and stepped on every mark so i was really proud of her but it was edge of your seat yeah three weekends in a row of running will do that to a high drive dog that is pretty rusty yeah dang um exciting though but she got her title and then ember the chessie who's not even two and a half is four for four and master so we're running not this weekend but next weekend in july uh july 13th 14th that will be for her title hopefully she's looking really strong jack coming into town for that one he's not able to make it um 
unfortunately. He has a family trip for the 4th of July, and so it kind of just is too close yeah, to be able to take time off of work and away from the family. Um, but and, that's awesome, though, because, yeah. I mean, two and a half, less than two and a half less years old is real good. Yeah, I'm really proud of her, and the composure that she's having during these tests, it, it's like, it's maturity, right? So she may lack certain um, skills, like that maybe Memphis, who's four and a half and has ran 15 or whatever master tests or more, you know, she's and has been trained for two years longer. Right. She's kind of seen that blind, seen that concept. Ember is still learning these concepts, but she she tries hard and she's comprehending what I'm asking her, and she's not giving me the middle finger at the test. Honestly, that's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. can happen, yeah. right? There's no e collar. You can't tell them no, right? And they can just kind of go haywire. And she hasn't. She's just stayed really composed and mature. So for a young dog, I'm proud. That's pretty good. Good for you. Thank you. You've been doing a lot of traveling, too, so that's nice that it pays off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to the New Jersey people that we met. Um, Super nice crowd. It was at Blue Springs Kennels, maybe? I don't know. Check that. I think so. But it was in New Jersey. It was like 20 minutes from Atlantic City and 20 minutes from Philly. And the grounds were immaculate. The people were super nice. Uh, I was, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, so you know, we've just been traveling and working our tail off. We've got a really good group of young dogs in training right now uh, that have been here. Like, I don't know. I think I've been home six weeks, and so some of these dogs have been here six weeks, and some of them are just starting their second month. And. Uh, just a good, hardworking group of dogs um, show up every day and have fun doing it. So really pleased with the crew. Um, July should be fun. We've got a lot of the crew's puppies are turning six months old. Really? Yeah. And that went fast. Oh, yeah. That went really How's fast. How's Brew Dog doing? Brew Montana, he's good. Uh, we've... All right, so, you know, you've all listened to this podcast enough where, you know, I kind of air people on the side of don't study up too soon, don't worry about formal obedience too early, you know, wait, six months is kind of our, you know, time frame. Him and Culper have been with me from day one, treat training and retrieving and doing all these great things, and we've built that drive with live pigeons and birds and uh bumpers and swimming and they're a little further along than maybe some people so i guess they should be because i do this for a living right and they're with me every day So, so so we've increased their what i expect from them right your expectations are a little bit higher yeah so my expectations are higher They comprehend what I'm asking them. So we started a little more formal obedience at a little bit younger of an age than I normally would recommend. And they're grasping it. And their retrieves are getting further and more challenging. And they're grasping it. And their watermarks are further and more challenging. And they're grasping it. Like, these little dudes are nice. And I'm proud of them. They're handsome little little dogs. They try hard. They have fun. 
and uh, you know we're gonna keep rolling. I, I don't I don't know what else to say about them other than I'm just very proud of how much they love their job and big things to come. Big things to come, and and they're fun to work. They they really enjoy doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's up next? It's six months old. So are we gonna start? I guess yeah, we'll like start force, force fetch and yep. all that good stuff. Yeah, we actually collar conditioned them over the last couple of weeks, which again, guys, you know, I don't recommend it at this age, but they were doing so well and understanding that I just used really low e-collar stimulation and took my time. And again, if they acted like a puppy and didn't understand it and stuff, I probably would have backed off and waited a little longer, but it was like, snap your fingers oh that's all you wanted boom yeah. boom boom so they're really cruising sweet through this so yeah so we started that so i wouldn't say they're through formal obedience at all like they're still puppies and i still <laughs> allow them to be puppies like little two meathead bash bros yeah from mighty ducks that's exactly what they remind me of too when they're out in the airing yard just kind of like wrestling and rolling and tumbling and oh yeah great time and I mean, Bash Bros is a very good way of putting it. Yeah, Bash Bros for sure. So, you know, I don't hold them to the same standard that I hold a, a seven or eight month old dog to. And I don't hold a seven or eight month old dog to a year and a half old dog, right? So, you know, I just take, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because they are young, but they're doing great. I'm proud of them. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what's new with you, big fella? You said you had something, but you wanted to wait till the podcast to tell me. Well, yeah, because I got to bust your balls about it. And so I uh, I did some bass fishing over the past wee- weekend. And uh, I, I do consider myself one of the world's worst fishermen, although I love fishing. And so I was talking to one of my buddies who I've been fishing with since we were little kids. And we were out of like comical frustration saying like, how come we've been fishing for so long, but we're just still so bad at it? Like, how come I'm not learning? How come I'm not getting better at this? This isn't one of those things that I should just still suck at. How do you suck at bass fishing? I just do. I don't know. It just happens. Well, you can't rip lips? No. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I like I know how to do it. I know how to fish. Like catching it's not, hogs, just can't. So, where'd you go? Oh, we were just fishing in Madison. Some ponds. <laughs> but what? Uh, <laughs> so hold what, on, uh, time out, everybody. No, Radisson fishing. Radisson means he was in stocked ponds in the neighborhood we grew up in with like. That greenish blue uh, dyed pond, so that the grass doesn't grow in it, and you could literally t- tape your take your finger and dip it in the water, and a fish will bite it. Go on, how you suck. So, so we caught some sunfish. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> mind you, they were like little kids fishing around too. Yeah, with a bobber. Yeah, no, they sucked though. So, uh. But so we're, so we were joking, saying like this is like how embarrassing they were like grown ass men who like <laughs> still can't catch fish. Ugh. So, I what is that thing for you? 
what the, the the thing that you you just can't learn that you've been working at for a real long time like for me i just i just can't catch a damn fish to save my life are what's talk- that thing for you are you talking about my mustache <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where you're going with this but if it it's about be, my mustache it could be growing your mustache that mustache was legendary okay uh, that's debatable. i might have been missing the middle section of my mustache but it's because i'm so anti Hitler, that I chose to only grow out the sides, bro. Well, apparently, as an adult grown man, as you seemingly think you are, you can only catch sunfish in a fully stocked bass pond in a neighborhood with people's backyards watching you play with a bobber. It's fine. They were riding their bikes by and asking (laughs) how things were going. I lied. Just drinking my bush light. Leave me alone. (laughs) It's Uh, all right. Hey, so as you all, if you follow us on Instagram at Lone Duck, you may have seen that I have been building and working on my pigeon coop. And we get some good questions on Instagram about my coop and how I do it. And I'm going to be real honest with you. You do it poorly. I have no clue what I'm doing. I bought pigeons that some have died. Some are now surviving. I don't think we've lost one in a long time. So now I, it's my job to teach them how to home and to use the coop and go in and out of like the trap doorways and stuff. And some of them are figuring it out pretty quickly. And some are not. And then like in the midst of catching them and releasing them into the little trapdoor area, I've accidentally lost some. Like, they've flown out of my net, like, out in the yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now they're just out free and can't figure out how to get back in. <laughs> well, and I've, I've seen them flying around, like, the airing yard with all the dogs and stuff. Oh, the and freaking you can tell, pointers. Like, oh. Dude, they won't even go to the bathroom because they're just pointing Little Gracie runs outside. She's like dancing locks in her up. kennel and just snaps. Locks up. Pigeon. Yep, pigeon. Terrible placement on the pigeon coop. Oh, it's, yeah, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, buddy. But that sucker's heavy, and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, God, no. You keep so, building more onto it. They'll desensitize to it and not be as fired up. Maybe. Maybe not. But anyways, I'm hoping that we can start using these pigeons here soon because I'm getting antsy, and uh, I know... You know, technically speaking, they should be done, but they just seem dumber than a box of rocks. Yeah. Is what it is. Life of a pigeon at Lone Pigeon. Lone Pigeon. Lone Pigeon. Pigeon Coop. All right, let's get into some Instagram questions from some of our friends here. All right, we're back here. We took a brief commercial break without a commercial. Without a commercial. We're on Instagram Live. Coming at you. First question was, am I drinking Bush Light or Natty Light? Bush Light right now. Bush Light, get at me. See if you uh, want to hit me up in the DMs. Duck Gun Chronicles was wondering, uh, his dog bows out on a line, and do you straighten that out? Okay. Bows out. Yeah. Uh, we call it banana. Banana-ing. Um, if it's on a mark... Generally, I don't straighten them out um, as long as it's not egregious, as long as it's not absolutely ridiculous. Um, if it's just a fine little, like they always kind of go to the right and 
bang into it or always go a little bit to the left and bang into it, if they're avoiding factors like cover, water, um, hillside, things like that, I'll either call them back to me and resend them or stop them and cast them. Um, if it's on a blind, then y you can handle, handle them through that stuff. But if it's just like they're going for a mark and they kind of like swerve into it, if you will, and it's not anything terrible, I might not address it. There's a couple things you can do. You can shorten that distance up. So the quickest way to a bumper is a straight line, mm -hmm. right? So from A to B, it's a straight line. So if you shorten that distance up, it's going to decrease the chances of them banana-ing. He said, yep, it's like a banana, and he said it's on blind, but it's always doing the same thing. Oh, if it's on a blind handle. Would you handle early or let him curve? No, uh, I wouldn't let him curve. So I'd, yeah, and I would imagine there's some sort of factor. Like, if it's egregious, and I guess the definition of egregious would mean, like, if it's terrible, if it's like he's going way right or way left, I'm a no here, no here, Nick. Sit down, good right there, back. And I'm also going to simplify, like, maybe you need a white pole with a milk, white milk jug on top of it. It's very black and white. Take that straight line. And if they don't take that straight line and they bow out and banana out, you cast them to it and you develop that lining. So you can do things like lining pass and pattern blinds to build confidence on taking that straight line. Um, if it's a true cold blind where they see nothing, do nothing, and they just bang hard left or bang hard right. He said like five yards to the left. Yeah. That's not that It depends bad. on how nitpicky you want to yeah. get. With yeah, a yeah. high-level dog, I might nitpick. With a young dog that's still learning, I might let him roll. That Actually, I not, it's not might. If it's a young dog that's still learning, I'm not going to nitpick him. Cool. Uh, we had, If anybody else had, on Instagram Live has some cool questions, fire away. But um, TJ Schnull had an awesome question that wrote in and said, when do you switch food from puppy food to an adult? Cool. So, as you all probably have known... We've switched our dogs to Yukonuba. Before that, we were on Pro Plan, Purina Pro Plan. Purina Pro Plan advertises as an all life stages formula, which means you can feed the mother, the puppies, and adult dogs that formula. Um, and that's what I've always done. And then since we've switched to Yukonuba, we posed that question to them in the big meeting that they had with us a couple months back. And they didn't, I guess if I had to say it bluntly and whatever, they didn't tell us to or not to. They said that it was okay. So I feed Brew and Culper and every dog in my kennel, Yukonuba 3020, had zero issues. Everybody's doing great on it. I'm, I'm pleased with it. So um, I think there are puppy formulas out there that are fine. You know, I think there's different research i've always had this problem with dog food companies is you can go and read cornell veterinary school put out a x y and z article on this is not good this is good don't feed puppies puppy food because they'll grow too fast or joints will get all messed up then uc berkeley veterinary school put one out saying feed puppies puppy food and they'll grow just fine and you know i don't know if there's any truth to it because i don't really believe 
most of that garbage anyways. I think it's all advertising. But I do know Ukanuba and ProPlan are, are, have been great with my puppies as I've been raising them. They haven't grown too fast. Um, I monitor how much food they intake and outtake it. And that's what I do. You, you can do it. Uh, w Thompson is wondering if you have any good horror stories from client dogs. Oh yeah. Maybe careful answering this one. <laughs> uh, no joke. Um, you know, we had a bite story on our uh, podcast or two ago. Yeah, yeah. That I forget who that was with. Oh, uh, we were talking with JC. JC. Yeah, JC from No Limits Kennels. We were talking about getting bit. Uh, I was training a Rhodesian Ridgeback. That was pretty bad. Um, I had one get away from me one time. Like we were Aaron dogs, and I'd go. You know, you're Aaron Dogs, you're like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, good. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hmm. Okay. Then you go through this like Memphis, Cruz, Ember, Safe, doot do doot do. Okay, where's, you know, Jonesy or whatever their name is? And sure enough, they're just like behind the house. But you, you know You have that you that have moment. that little moment where you're like, yeah. uh oh. So those are some little horror stories. I mean, man, you there's dogs that poop in a crate, poop in a kennel, eat poop, hump everybody. Like those are not horror stories. That's just a day in the life of doing what we do. Um, eh, I got no horror stories. They're all good stories. Uh, e collars. Is there any special e collar you use when training, or one that you would suggest to? people who are interested sure um so again as everybody knows if you've checked out the website i'm a big fan of dogtra i sell dogtra i've used dogtra for probably 10 years um the collar that i recommend for your day trainer and hunting guy is the dogtra 1900 s that's what i use yeah absolutely love it yeah it's a great all-around collar um the battery life is great. It's got one of the highest rated durability tests done to it in the e-collar industry. And it passed with flying colors. Um, very minimal out of all of them that I sell. Very minimum get returned with issues. And if they do, Dogtress customer service is awesome. So they take care of people easily, quickly, and efficiently. Can't say enough. I use... Dogtra Edge RT for training. And that's like the pro model, the high-end model. Um, for small dogs and house dogs, they have some other smaller models, like have a really small collar unit. So like Dogtra's Arc or the 280C, I think is what it is. Um, I like those as well. I think they're good collars. Now, for the pointing world, and I haven't really fumbled around with Dogtras to be very fair and honest, but I've used and liked Tritronics, the Garmin, where you can have it on your like iWatch, which I don't have, but you can do <laughs> technology. For the fancy people. Yeah, yeah, fancy people. But you can like track where your dog is on a watch through a GPS. You can have it on your collar remote system so you can see, okay, Andy's on point. She's 150 yards this way, and she's pointing facing that way. 
so I can come around in front of her with a bird. So I think I'm actually going to invest in that unit uh, unless I can fumble around with Dogtras and like test one out or something. But we'll see. I guess I'll have to talk to Dogtra. Yeah. No, we'll have to see what they got for me. Call, see what's going on. Uh, what do you do to evaluate a dog before you take it on for training? Great Ooh. question. Uh, it maybe depends on what training they're looking for, but yeah, I mean, here's the deal. A, I don't take anybody with aggression. I don't do leash aggression, dog aggression, people aggression. So like that's a number one. If there are, if they have any of that, see ya. They don't even walk into the kennel. Can you explain why? Liability yep. and headache. Yep. There you go. See ya. Go send it somewhere else. Like, I don't know. I'll leave out other business names, but I got a good friend. I actually went to breakfast with him the other day. We had an awesome breakfast. Just had a fun time. He's technically my competition here in Syracuse for like house dog training, but what like super nice guy. We enjoy each other's company of like talking business. And, uh, he laughed because he's like, hey, man, uh, you can you don't have to send them to me. <laughs> like, no, nah, man, that's you. I don't do it. So um, so, so what I, do you do to evaluate dogs? So then, yeah, then like you have to take things with a grain of salt because people, A, everybody loves their dogs. Their dog's automatically the best. And it may actually not be. So it may not like a lot of things, you know. But I've also trained several dogs that, like, when they come to me, they have no retrieve drive. They don't like to swim. They won't pick up a duck. And in two weeks, I've got them swimming, retrieving ducks, and charging hard. So it's more like a give it a month, and I'm not going to waste your money after that. So I'll just do formal obedience with them. And if they aren't going to cut it in the gun dog program, at least they'll go through formal obedience, collar conditioning, and be a great family member for the people yeah. so it's usually like a month long you know if they can't do it within that amount of time it's not worth their money to keep it in training no that's a good answer um my dog is slowing down and sometimes stopping and looking back when i'm working t pattern in anticipation of the whistle set Whoop, lost it uh how do i work on t pattern whistle set while casting to avoid that who asked that question duck on chronicles you the man that's a great question dude and after we answer this i want you to go to the t pattern question on our notes so i'm going to quickly review t pattern for those listening that may not know what it is t pattern is if you can envision a baseball field when your t pattern would look like you're at home plate you've got first base second base and third base with bumpers you send the dog on back, and when they get to the pitcher's mound, you cast them over left, over right, left back, right back, and they stop on a whistle nicely, and they handle to each of those bumper piles cleanly and crisply. That's the end of T pattern. If you've got a dog who's looking back and stopping at the pitcher's mound, you're, you're stopping them too much. So you need to build momentum to that back pile. And how I do it, you force them to a pile. So after force fetch, you force to a pile. You teach them that by going back, command back, turns the pressure off. They haul butt to that back pile. And 
praise. They get the bumper, they get praise, all that good stuff. So if you got a dog who's like already forced to a pile, is already handling pretty nicely, but now you've kind of created another little issue where they are anticipating the whistle and anticipating a cast, you're going to back nick back them. So as soon as they start slowing down and looking back, back nick back. Back nick back. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, I, I got you. So, and how I kind of uh, don't allow that to be created is you don't want to stop them every time. So I'll send a dog all the way to the back pile. Come, you know, start. Let's say I just pull the dog out. Everything's out. Back. Good dog. Back. Good dog. Back. So now they've gone to the back pile three times before I even stop them. Then I'll stop them and handle them. Good dog. Come back. Back. All the way to the back pile. And then, so it's like maybe every other. Or if I can see, I can read that dog and they start to slow down a little bit, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm not going to stop them for a little bit. Or I'll give them a little back nick back. They're going to turn that pressure off by picking up their pace and heading to that back pile. Um, so that dog is literally just anticipating the whistle and honestly sounds like, I don't want to say lazy, but he's, he's, no, out he's thinking, I wouldn't say lazy. No, he's no, no. What I'm trying smart. to think is, yeah, he's outsmarting the game. Yeah. Right. So he's not, he's being lazy in that he's not putting in a full effort at going to the back pile. Cause that's what I told you to do. Right. But he's outsmarting the game. Like if I slow down, then I don't have to get stopped quickly. So increase the times you go to the back pile and lessen the amount of times you blow the whistle and cast would be one. And two, give a little back neck back, baby. Uh, awesome. Is there a difference between basic obedience and when you say formal obedience? Hmm. Fantastic question. Formal sounds fancier. Form, formal sounds more formal. It's I wear a bow tie when I do it, <laughs> um, and it sucks. More white collar than blue yeah. collar. Um, basic obedience, I would say, like the answer is there's no difference. But if I'm being more detailed, it would mean that basic obedience. Maybe I'm just teaching using treats. Everything's fun and happy go lucky. And if they make a mistake, no big deal. We're working. We're having fun. Formal obedience is like, all right, you understand what I'm asking. I've taught you what you're asking. Now I'm going to hone it and increase the distance, the distractions, the locations, and make sure that heel is dialed in everywhere I go. Right. Here is dialed in no matter what's going on and where we are and what distractions are going on. You know, collar conditioning is finished after formal obedience. Basics, you're just... You might not even use an e-collar during basics. So it, technically, it's still here, heel, sit, down, place, kennel, you know, stuff like that. But you're when it's formalized and it's formally done, you can do it at anywhere, anytime, and they drop, you know, do it perfect. Yeah. Uh, back to T-pattern action. Mm-hmm. Uh. After doing T-Pattern five-ish times, a dog starts to lose interest and suddenly forgets what to do. Mm-hmm. How would you fix that? Okay, so I was running into this the other day with one of the dogs I was training, and that's why I wanted to help this guy out. It's common, right? Like, it's super common. This is a mundane drill. That's 
drills. It's like doing homework for you. Like nobody likes <laughs> shit. I never a big homework guy. Never a big homework guy. So, or reading books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a drill, but they have to learn that they have to do it. So they don't get the option to be done when they want to be done. And so if they're doing well and they're comprehending the task at hand, and then after a few, they're like, meh, I'm out. You have to force them through it. So either that back, neck, back, simplify and get them to do it to end on a good note, but they still have to do it because I told them to do it or else you're going to finish T pattern and they look really good for five or six. And then you go and do something else like more advanced training and they don't feel like doing it and it's going to start to crumble. So you have to push them through that little barrier that little mental block or the boredom block, maybe you throw them a fun bumper after like four or five. Throw them a couple fun bumpers, bring them back up, do three or four more, throw them a fun bumper, do two or three more, throw them a fun bumper, and finish. Or you might have to be the tough guy and say, no, we're doing this, and you're doing it my way, and then you get those fun bumpers. So you have to read the dog, you have to read their... From his message, it sounded like the dog has been doing it a while and kind of understands what's being asked of him and is just kind of blowing him off. So I wouldn't let that happen. You don't get to blow me off. You have to work through this, and we're going to work together as a team, and we're going to finish this on a good note. And then once they do it, end it. But they don't get to choose when they're done at this level. Do your gun dogs get to go home between hunt test seasons? You mean my client dogs? Yeah, I guess so. It says, do you let your gun dogs go home between hunt test seasons? Yeah. Uh, so that's a good question. Um, all my dogs in my kennel hunt, and they all have families that love them, and like they're not just truck dogs, really, that don't, I don't know, they don't just live in a kennel and, and have no other purpose. So they all go home and hunt. They all, some of them go home on weekends once in a great while, like, they're not just uh they're not just professional athletes i guess you could say like yeah just, they all they, have a home and they all are hunted and have fun so the answer is they they oh thanks ethan i think he agrees nice yeah so i think like the the normal schedule for like a dog like keen eye or ember is they go home and hunt or faith or memph or whomever they go home they hunt and then they come back and after hunting season and we go south and they brush up on where they left off. They keep advancing. They run hunt tests. They go home during hunting season and hunt. They come back, brush up their skills and keep advancing, advancing, advancing. For the normal like four month gun dog program. Yeah, they just they do our program. They run junior hunt tests and they go home and they live life on a couch and hunt and hang out and go on hikes and normal dog. Be a dog. Um, our last question is about swimming. Um, unless anybody on Instagram live has a, has some other questions. I want to throw those out there, but we had a big, big day for Covey over oh, the weekend. Kevin's English setter Covey. Little Cove. Uh, so I got Covey, um, last fall and it was a little bit cold for having her getting out and swimming. And so 
how old? She was probably like seven months old or whatever. So it was of age to get her out swimming, but it was too cold. Couldn't get her in. And so we had to wait a really long time. And she's been a little skittish about going in the water. We had a big weekend. Nice. With family. And she wouldn't nice. get out of the water. It was very exciting. Nice. It was awesome. Good for you, man. Yeah. No, it was really cool. So leads me to Phil. Phil no. asks. Phil McCracken. Philip. <laughs> McCrevis. Uh, 11-week-old short hair pointer. Loves to play in the pond. Should he have a vest on? Okay. So, Phil, I didn't even put your Instagram handle on here because I I love you and I want I didn't I'm going to bust your chops, but I I didn't want everybody else to either. So, he asked about a life jacket. All right, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to drop some knowledge on everybody. You have a hunting dog and a sporting breed. They don't need a life jacket. Come on, bro. So, no, this puppy, first of all, an 11-week-old puppy, I don't even think you can get a, unless you get like a Yorkie-sized life jacket, I don't think it'll work. So, I don't, I don't put a life jacket on a dog. I only did once, actually, Saul in South Carolina. Couldn't figure out how to <laughs> use his back legs swimming. God <laughs> bless him. He, uh, he legit, I almost had to save him a few times from drowning. All right, so you're busting this guy's balls. I but know. If but your this dog is point zero 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 one percent, this dog could not swim. Damn near drowned. And so I put a life jacket on him. And uh, after even several sessions with that, he finally learned how to use his back legs and swam like a normal dog. Um, but I really don't, Phil. I I think your puppy will do just fine without it. I think it's amazing that you are doing this with your dog at this age. You know, let it let it swim. Let it be a I puppy. A, let it explore and adventure and get used to all sorts of different things. Sure. But like how I do it, we have that YouTube video, you know, showing how we got dogs to swim. So check that out. But I usually wade out into a pond, shallow entry water, and just have them follow me. And I guarantee you, Phil, your little puppy won't be able to stand watching you wade out there. It already likes playing in the water and stuff. So just go out there, you know, knee deep, put some swim trunks on or something, and let that dog follow you out there, you're going to be golden. But that dog will swim, not sink, guaranteed. And if not, Kevin will buy you a new dog. That's not <laughs> that's not happening at all, but I love it. Uh, so that was the end of our, our Instagram questions. Anything else from Instagram Live? Bill said love the Instagram Live. Great stuff, fella. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. My man, he owns a lone duck puppy. And it's kicking butt. Yeah. Yeah, crushing. Absolutely crushing. I'm really proud of him and his dog. Um, All right, let's see. What do we got on tap for uh, the future? We've got more Lone Duck Gun Dogs Chronicles coming your way. Sure do. We got more Instagram Live coming your way. We've been doing Instagram Live of Lincoln's Force Fetch. So don't hang up. Don't stop listening. If you don't follow us on Instagram, follow along. It's at Lone Duck. And we're doing Lincoln probably every four or five days, the next progression of Force Fetch. So you're going to see what he's doing well, what he's not doing well. And we get a ton of questions about this stuff for this podcast. And the Instagram's going to help you out. So check it out. Um, 
Hit us up on the website, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. We got cool gear, dog to e-collars, gunners up wingers, all that stuff. We are also now working with Gunner Kennels, and we sell Gunner Kennels. So if you're interested in learning more and getting your dog in a Gunner Kennel, safely riding in your back of your truck or in your SUV or mom van, whatever it is that that dog rides in, Kevin and I can can get you suited up in a Gunner Kennel. And we got one last one. Oh, uh, one uh, last one? Yeah, I, I'm into it, though. Can you turn an Aussie into a duck dog? I don't see why not. Um, Send it our way, Zach. <laughs> so that's a cool question. Different breeds that aren't sporting breeds that can do it. I've seen German Shepherds that duck hunt. There's a girl on Instagram, woman, excuse me, on Instagram. She's a young woman who trains retrievers for a living uh, down in Texas, and she has a Jack Russell Terrier. Oh, she's going to be on the podcast, baby. Yeah, we got Kevin's got to line that up. But anyways, you know, there's other breeds that if they have prey drive, ball drive, um, and you introduce them properly, why not? I think you're going to have a harder time, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Have fun with your dog. See where it goes. Enjoy the journey. Um, all right, guys, seriously, thanks for following along. We've had record numbers of listeners, and I want to say truly thank you for caring and following along it's fun we've got a lot of great things coming up for the rest of the summer so stay tuned and do you want me to do a little um bop to sign out um bop da ba do up do be da ba do up hey join our community if you enjoy the show if you enjoy our youtube if you enjoy instagram it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you, and you're helping us produce this show. So thank you so much to that community. Get in, get out, let's roll. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.